This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, all you lovely people out there. This is episode 208 of the Laravel News Podcast. Today is February 13th, 2024, or February 14th, 2024, if you happen to be in the upside down Aussie land where it is already Valentine's Day. I hope you guys, you know, did your due diligence, Michael. Do you guys do Valentine's Day? We do, do yeah. I mean, but we don't. You don't. You do. Australia does, but you don't. Yeah. That's just, you know. It's too hard to to put the children somewhere. Oh. I, you know, I struggle because it's like an opportunity to celebrate the people you love, right? Mm -hmm. Which, great. Any occasion you have to celebrate the people you love, you should definitely do so. However, it's also just a Hallmark holiday, too. So I'm kind of like, eh, you know, I just. Yeah. It's, um, we, on, on the subject of it being too hard, we bought tickets to go and see Hamilton in Sydney for our 10th nice. wedding anniversary this year. Yeah, there you go. And so we now have this plan in place to kind of break our children in into having sleepovers with Ray's parents. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we've got uh, eight months to, to kind of do. So we're going to try and do it like to once a month between, between okay. now and October to, to do that and uh, see where we land. Hopefully it's okay. Like they go over there. They love going over for a couple of hours in the afternoon. So overnight will be the, the challenge. But, That'll be uh, the challenge. And, they, can and you've keep got grandma, like, they can keep grandma up overnight, you know, yeah. if they don't go to sleep instead of Indeed. Brian and myself. Yeah, you've got you've got like tons of family within like a minute and a half of your house. So mm. Ree's parents, I don't know how far away they are. How far are the way? They're about live? 30 minutes. They're not too far. Okay, so so practically a world away compared to where all your family lives. Yeah. You guys have like the Dorinda block. Like mm-hmm. you guys literally own that entire block, man. It's kind of crazy. I went on a virtual Google tour last time we were mm-hmm. on uh, a Laravel News podcast. I, I I zoomed in to Street View and I got to see Michael's house and all of the relatives and it was good times. I felt like I was a member of the family. Nothing to do with the podcast. We've had to move. We've had to move since then. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he knows too much. <laughs> Quick, we're, we're selling. We're selling. Oh, anyway, folks, we've got some releases, news packages, tutorials. Let's jump into it. 10.43, what you're here to hear about. Laravel 10.43 with support for stream JSON responses, passing a class name to register a global eloquent scope, a new insert or ignore using eloquent net method and more. January 30th is when this one was tagged, but there's some excellent features added that we wanted to highlight. So here are the latest Laravel 10 release features. So Peter Elmered contributed support for the streamed JSON response. This was added in Symfony 6.3. Uh, the benefit in this one is that there's less memory usage for large data payloads. Uh, so an example from the pull request is given where you can say return, response, and then stream JSON. And then you pass back users and then arrow this yield and you're returning a generator. So that generator is then yielding, returning a set of users where you do like user query cursor and you kind of get these uh, lazy uh, results that come back. And so it can, like I said, use less memory uh, when it's returning these large sets of data. Along with the stream JSON method, you also get a new test helper to assert streamed JSON content. So you can say response, assert streamed JSON content, and then pass back what should be streamed through. Obviously, in your test, you're not going to have a massive data set, but you can still assert 
that the JSON content that's coming back is streamed. So you can learn more about the Symphony feature from their HTTP Foundation component documentation for streaming a JSON response, uh, or feel free to just use that in your Laravel app today. Okay, so this new eloquent insert or ignore using method contributed by Trevor Morris basically allows you to bulk insert using a subselect uh, to be successful if there are key conflicts. So as we talked about this, uh, this is using the new ignore, maybe not new, but ignore functionality for the connectors that support that ignore functionality. So it sounds like what this might do is in the case that you have a unique constraint on a table, uh, in the case that a unique constraint is uh, is hit and there's a conflict, it will just silently discard those records, I believe, is what might be possibly happening mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, at that first, in the first insert or ignore using, uh, you're passing the list of um, those IDs or those unique constraints that you might have, the columns. And then in the second one is where you're passing this sub-select. If you've used the ignore functionality before, this might be a little bit more interesting to you. Like you've, you know exactly kind of how this works. Uh, sounds like you've got a nice first-class method to do that with now. Uh, using the eloquent insert or ignore using method. So very cool. Very nice. Thank you, Trevor, for that one. Um, new schema has index method. Havez Devandari contributed a schema has index method along with a few other methods that can be used. Um, what this will do is it will check to see if a table has an index already. So you can say schema has index. You pass the table first, users. And then as a second argument, you can say like my index name. So that would check to see if an index exists uh, on that table. You can also, however, pass the name of the column that you're looking for to see if it has an index. So you could say has index users and then pass email. Do I have an index on this email? Or you can check for like compound indexes. Do I have an index on name and title? Uh, And what type of index do I have? Is it a unique? Is it a primary? Is it a full text? So this has index allows you to check all of those different values in the case that you wanted to, um, I guess, just inspect that, uh, that, that table, check on the schema. So there you go. Using class names when adding global scopes. Uh, Eliezer uh, Margaretten contributed the ability to pass a scope class name when adding a global scope to a model. So on a model, you can uh, inject into the booted method a static add global scope. And then instead of passing a string, you can pass a class. The class would be ancient scope, double colon class. In addition to that update, Eliezer contributed an add global scopes method then, which lets you register several global scopes at once. Uh, at once I'm sorry. So uh, instead of add global scope singular, you can also say add global scopes plural and then pass an array of those different class names that will be uh, global scopes that you'd be applying to that particular model. So that's pretty cool. Uh, there also is coming, I think we talked about this a little bit today, Michael. Was it in Laravel 11 with the um, the uh, attributes? Yeah. The PHP attributes where it yeah. allows you to specify an attribute. Is that 11? Is it Laravel 11 that's coming in? Yeah, in Laravel 11, there will be some new cool. attributes to allow defining like scopes, scopes is, on your models. Yeah. yeah. Right. These in a more scopes sort of model. discoverable way. Yeah, exactly. And so... Typically, you know, so in this specific example here, it's using the booted method. And this is where you do some of these things, right? Adding scopes, adding observers, those sorts of things. Um, right. uh, and, and so instead of having to do that, what you just do in this level 11 is you can use a attribute, a PHP attribute in order to do those mm-hmm. things. So it's pretty cool. Uh, but that's not part of this. That's, that's level 11. Okay. 
A storage unlink artisan command, Mikhail Salkov contributed a new artisan command that deletes all symbolic links. So if you say PHP artisan storage unlink, that will do that for you, deleting all symbolic links that exist there. Okay, you can see the complete list of new features and the updates in the diff between 1042 and 1043 on GitHub. And then there is release notes directly from the change log in the blog post here, which we will share in the show notes as well. Thanks, Paul Redmond, for writing that one up. All right. On to the news, Michael, my friend, go for it. Excellent. First up, Laravel Reverb was renounced at Laracon EU last week at the time of this recording, which is a new first-party WebSocket server for Laravel applications that brings real-time communications between client and server to your application. So if you've used anything like Pusher before, if you've used Beyond Codes, mm-hmm. uh, Laravel WebSockets, Web- this Web is sockets, kind yeah. of a drop-in replacement for that. So... Uh, it's built in a very similar fashion from what I can tell um, that as the Laravel WebSockets package where it's built on top of Ratchet. It is fine-tuned for speed uh, and a single server can support thousands of connections whilst piping data without the delay and inefficiency of HTTP polling. It provides seamless integration with Laravel's broadcasting capabilities and there is first-party support for Laravel Forge. It's built for scale. And it, because it uses the pusher protocol for WebSockets, it is immediately compatible with Laravel Broadcasting uh, if you're using something like Laravel Echo. So you can get more details on the Reverb homepage, which is at reverb.laravel.com. I think it's still in the final stages of development and will be available yeah. free and open source soon. Can we do a quick aside on this just to talk about what, what this is? I mean, I'm assuming... Probably most of the people who listen to this show know what WebSockets are, know what broadcasting is, know what Echo is in Laravel. But in case you don't, when might you use this? So WebSockets and Pusher and all these different things are incredibly powerful. Um, What this allows you to do is in the case that you want to kick off some process from the front end, um, but you don't want to necessarily have a blocking call made to the back end to do some process, what you can do is you can just sort of let your front end fire off. You can kick off a job in the background if it's going to take a while. And you can let your front end sort of let the user know, hey, by the way, we're working on this, right? You can just mm-hmm. do like a little spinner, can do a little yellow pulsing light, something like that. And then what you can do is on the back end, uh, you can dispatch that job. Once that job has been completed, you can fire an event in the back end and say, my job, whatever job it was, has been completed. Uh, and on that job, you can say broadcasts. And it will broadcast, I suppose, actually, you dispatch an event, that that event will broadcast. And what you can do is on the front end of your application using Vue or just plain JavaScript, you can say Laravel Echo, and then you can listen for that event on the front end. And then that front end uh, will catch that event that's happening because it gets broadcast from the back end using pusher connection, or in this case, reverb. Uh, It will catch that event, and then you can update your front end UI using that. So it's really, really powerful. Um, It also makes it nice in the case that you have multiple users working off of a single dashboard or something like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, You can update all of those users at the same time. You can broadcast this event not only to one user, but you can also broadcast it to an entire group of users. Um, You can use it for like chat applications or in in a case that we use it is we have a bunch of workers, uh, sorry, not workers, a bunch of team members working out of a shared queue. And when one of those queue items is completed, 
it disappears off that dashboard for everybody at the same time. You don't have to wait for them to refresh the page. You don't have to kick off a page refresh. It just disappears because it just it, it uses the uh, you know view on the front end to update that. So it's it's really really nice. Uh, and with Laravel Reverb coming out, there's really no barrier anymore. If we're talking about like a five dollar a month server, and you already happen to be using Forge, um, just spin up a new Laravel Reverb server and you're good to go. So I'm really looking forward to using this one. Our pusher bill isn't super hefty, but um, we're probably paying 100 bucks a month. So mm-hmm. I mean, if you could pay five dollars a month and get thousands of connections, yeah, why would we? Why would we not do that? So yeah, yeah. Thank you, I think, Laravel. I think the the kind of background job thing is one example. The example that Joe gave when he demonstrated Joe Dixon demonstrated this at Laracon EU was basically to to build a Slack clone and to show how that kind of stuff works, being able to send stuff to the server and then and get the immediate responses. I think the other thing that it kind of solves for is anywhere where you would poll the server. You know, back mm-hmm. back in the day, in in quotes, we would, you know, have some jQuery process that would sit there and just ping some Long endpoint polling. on a server yeah. somewhere you know, every five seconds or, or 30 seconds or whatever else. So this this basically allows you to just open a web socket and subscribe and, and essentially listen for things that are that are happening. So yeah, that channel uh, makes just it, stays makes open. it really simple. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that channel just stays open and establishes this connection and then just waits. And then when a an event was pushed down, it's just real time pretty much. Yep. Pretty close to real time. Four. Really nice. Sure. Really, really good stuff. I do wonder also, I know on Pusher there is a limitation on how much of a payload you can send through. Like the size of the payload is limited. Yeah. Um, with reverb, I bet you can crank that up. You know what I mean? Like if you wanted to send a large amount of data through, you probably could. I assume it would um, be a WebSocket limitation more so than uh than uh you know implementation detail. But I mean, I'm sure there is a WebSocket limit. I think Pusher was pretty strict on how large of a payload you could send. I mean, it's I, it's definitely possible. I mean, it could also be both, right? There may be a WebSocket hmm. limitation, but Pusher puts their own limitation on it because they don't want to be handling loads of data uh, in these events. Either way, don't know. I'll conjecture at this point. Let us move on. Herd 1.4.0 is out with a new Pro version and Windows in the works. Um, Jordan, who you know, uh, who I work with, was so excited to hear that they are going to be creating a Windows version of this. He was super geeked out um, because, you know, setting up stuff to work in Windows is not always great. And there was no valet for Windows, really. There was some versions of it that you could kind yeah. of find around on the web, but there was no official valet version for um, for Windows, right? So heard having a Windows version in the works is really, really exciting. So let's let's talk about this real quick. Um, there are some new features, improving existing features, and it comes with Herd Pro, which we'll talk about. Uh, another huge announcement is a brand new Herd for Windows that is due out in March of 2024. So let's look at the highlights of the new version. Uh, there's also a video to go through all these and see Herd Pro in action. Now, one of the things you can do is you basically have Node Version Manager rolled into heard now. So if you want to, you know, you have PHP versions that are installed that you can manage on a per project basis. You now also have node versions that you can manage on a per project basis. You can have 16 installed, 18, 20, 21. It will manage all of them for you. You can install them straight from within herd and then you can manage those in the environment uh really really quickly. Even um, better. Even better than that. If you have a NVM RC file in your project, mm-hmm. when you switch into the directory, herd will detect the version of of node that you are using and it will just set it up. And if you don't have that version, it will install it for you. 
which is really really good. Yeah. Um. The the one thing that I had problems with was because I had npm and Node and NVM installed on my machine already from Brew. I had to go through and completely remove it all because Herd will it detect. Kind of, yeah. It will detect that you've already got specific environment variables set, and so it will assume that it is configured there. So that's that's one little thing that you need to do is basically just remove all of that stuff from your Bash RC or Z, or your Z Shell RC and things like that, and then and then it just works magically. It's the, it's the first time that I've built our new front end on my machine locally since we started re, rebuilding our front end six months ago. So that's awesome. Yeah, really really cool. I mean, these are things. These are those things that were just very difficult sometimes before. Um, I will say Valet used to break for me on a semi-regular basis. Um, not super regular, but semi-regular. And um, Herd has never had a problem for me. Not one time yet. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that. Uh, a couple other basic updates. When I say basic, what I mean is non-pro version updates. So there's an optional xdebug extension. Uh, so it will detect if you're needing xdebug and will only run it when you are asking for it. So in your PHP Storm Editor, you can you know put a breakpoint in and it will load it up and run xdebug for you, which is, thank God, so nice because that was always such a pain in the butt to set up before. There is a opt-in beta channel, so you can get the latest updates as soon as they're out. There's also an option to disable notifications for PHP updates. So if you're like, nope, not interested in any new updates, just let me keep running, you can disable those. Also, there's an option to select your IDE so that you can quickly open a project from the site list in Herd. Uh, so when you click open, it'll either open in the PHP Storm or open in VS Code or open in Sublime or whatever it might be. So let's talk about the new Herd Pro. So along with all the features of that basic version, the Pro version includes some of these following things. So um, dumps. So it will listen for dump or DD inside of your code and will display those in an external window instead of having to uh, get them in the in the web right there in your in your browser. It's going to kick them out to a new Herd window and you can see them nicely, richly formatted in there. Uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, you can also catch a catch all mail that is coming from your app uh, by using the internal mail server and client to test and debug these local emails. Um, there's also a log viewer. So it will trail and search, sorry, not ta- trail, but tra- it will tail and search through local log files for all your different projects, which is really nice. Um, it gives you, you know, sometimes it can be difficult when you're looking at those errors in the log to kind of see like what the data was that was coming through. You get that all now in a really, really nice view inside of, uh, inside of herd. And then again, um, I said that Xdebug was a basic feature, but it looks like it's included in both places. Xdebug as a basic feature and a pro feature. I believe it's a pro feature. Um, it's both, I thought it was, right? is it no, both? It's both. So there's okay. <clears throat> in the, in, in herd pro, there is a feature that that will just use the xdebug less. So the version, there, there is okay. two different PHP configurations, one with and one one without. Herd Pro will detect if you have made a call that ah. requires xdebug and it will and it will send the request to that PHP configuration that's got xdebug. So all of your, you know, stuff that you're doing in the browser and all of your other testing will just be as speedy as Herd allows it and it will switch if you need to. If you if you have the herd basic version, you will need It'll to turn the, the extension yeah. on and off yourself. So it's bundled sure. in herd. The automatic detection and 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 then channeling your request to the correct place happens only in the pro version. Very cool. Also, I feel like um, you know Marcel is the one who's been building herd uh, with like native PHP and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, him I and feel Di- like some Diana. of these items. 
Yep. And some of these, I feel like some of these items are coming over from some of the other products that he's created um, using, you know, native PHP stuff or, or whatever. I maybe Electron, um, like the mail stuff specifically uh, looked very familiar, but it's cool. Uh, I mean, we, I'm definitely buying a pro license, have not bought one yet, but we'll definitely be doing so. Um, and excited for all the new stuff I'll be getting because of that. They're doing a, they're doing a great job working on this together. So excellent job, yeah. folks. Keep up the good work. Perfect. Let's talk about Laravel 11 a little bit. The first item we have here is that model cast will be moving to a method in Laravel 11. So in Laravel 10, model casts are defined using the cast array property in your models. So you can specify, you know, key value of the column name and then what it should be cast to an integer or a Boolean or as an enum collection or whatever else. This, uh, but, but by moving this to methods, it opens the possibility to use um, static methods built on casters as well as defining some conditional kinds of functionality as well. So previously you couldn't use as enum collection colon colon of user option. You can't define that inside of a property definition. You had to use the string concatenation to do that previously. So the update itself is backward compatible with Laravel 10 and you can still define cast using the cast property or the cast method. Uh, so you don't have to upgrade this if you don't want to when you go to Laravel 11. It's an opt-in thing. But I think using the method is a, is a really good way of doing it just so that you can do conditional stuff so you can call real methods on real classes and things like that without having to worry about concatenating strings and all that kind of stuff. So you can use um, as collection using, as encrypted collection, as enum array object, all of this kind of stuff. Um, and, and as I said, being able to conditionally append things to that cast array. You know, you might want to cast something in a different way if you have an admin user logged in, for example. So lots of options are available to you by moving this from a from a property on the model and into a method. So definitely check that one out. Indeed, very cool. Uh, I love that. And it's familiar too. Uh, you know, a lot of different items actually have uh, mod- or sorry methods that will allow you to uh, specify those in a way um, that lets you break away from some of the limitations that there are on on properties. Uh, so that's really nice. Uh, once uh, memoization helper is coming to Laravel 11. So this is um, a function that was originally inspired by a tweet that Taylor put out. And then Spassi and uh, Freak, of course, picked that up and said, hey, you know what? We should make a package out of this. And so now it's being upgraded to a first-class citizen in Laravel 11. So what exactly does this do? This helper ensures that you always get the same value no matter how many times you call an object method. So the once function is helpful when you have some code that you want to ensure only ever runs one time. Um, So for example, if you have a class that has a method called UUID once, Uh, what you can do is you can return a once and then inside of that once you pass a closure and then you have a value that's going to get returned, right? You call a UUID generator essentially. And if you run a test that loops over and calls that same method like six times, it's not going to generate a new UUID each time. It's going to generate it once And then it's almost going to like cache that for the duration of that request or the duration of that test and return that same value each time you call that method again. Um, So that's, it's really interesting. Um, I can think of a couple places I would want to do this in specific, like there is a client, an API client that I just started um, interacting with where you need to, before you make an API call, you need to go and get a 
use your API token to create a new request token. And uh, you don't want to do that every single time you make an, have to make an API call, but sometimes you have to make multiple API calls. So instead mm-hmm. of going to do that each time um, or having to check, did I call that last time? Do I have some value in the cache? Do I, I don't really want the cache to live for, you know, sometimes you just do some stupid thing like set the cache for one second. Well, now you can mm-hmm. just use this. You can just use once. And per you know life cycle of PHP comes up when you make a request, and then when it gets torn down, it flushes that uh, that once once double colon flush um, is what will happen, and then it will basically clear that out. So, uh, really interesting feature there. Thanks to Nuno Maduro who implemented this in pull request forty nine thousand seven hundred forty four. That's how many pull requests we've had to the Laravel code base. Very very cool. All right. The last Laravel 11 item we have here is a new feature in Laravel 11 that will give us a health check endpoint in our applications out of the box. So if you have got your application behind a load balancer and you want to steer between endpoints or you're in an environment where you're spinning up, you know, your horizontal scaling with Kubernetes or some other container infrastructure, it's typical in those applications that you would create some kind of health check endpoint or in Laravel's case this is called uh, it, it it's slash up and what it does is it will tell you whether or not that application is up and it allows you to kind of steer traffic there it's great for um, if you're doing synthetic monitoring to determine if your application is up you can get it to do all kinds of health stuff internally to determine what up is so it may be that it checks that yes you are responding but also that Redis is available, that the database is available and things like that. And it will return a 200 if everything's okay or some non-200 error if something is amiss. Um, when you set up the application routing, the Laravel framework defines the health route and will also emit a diagnosing health event, which you can hook into in order to um, configure as your application's uh, upstate to hook into that event as well for anything else that you need to do there. Um, the default up endpoint can be configured as well and it returns a simple animated application up health page in the browser so you can view it in the browser you can use that as your health check endpoint for your load balances and any other kind of blue green deployment stuff that you might be doing so definitely check that out that'd be nice to have and and something that you won't have to implement um, yourself exactly i can get rid of uh, all the ones that i've implemented myself because this <laughs> happens you know how many <laughs> i've got this on almost every single one of my applications where it's like a slash status, whatever, and it's like just returns like 200. Yep, okay. That's all it returns is just okay. You know, I'm yep. good, good to go. Yeah, very, very nice. Uh, okay, hey, let's talk about radical design, shall we? So, this is a new course by Jack McDade. If you don't know who Jack McDade is, he's the dude behind Statomic. He actually was very influential in a lot of the early designs for Laravel stuff. He was sort of uh, Taylor and him worked together on some, um, some products right at the very beginning of when Taylor was starting to build some stuff out. So Jack has, um, and he's also the founder of, of Statomic, uh, he's launched a brand new design course that's called Radical Design. So this isn't like a book. It's not a step-by-step. It's self-guided, sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure deal. So if you know Jack, Jack likes to do things differently, right? He just, all of his websites are, I mean, he calls it Radical Design for a reason, right? And this uh, design course is no different. Like if you just watch the little intro launch, it's really funny. Jack has like a bunch of sticky notes on the wall and he's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And he runs through all these sticky notes. It's really funny and it's humorous and it feels like I'm watching a show almost more than like I'm going into a, um, 
into some course. So Jack does a really good job on this. Um, so here's here's what it is, right? It dives into a lot of different areas of design. Video go, videos, articles, tutorials. There's also downloads, example design files. There's elements, components, handcrafted SVGs, lots of other good stuff. Uh, but he's like, I'm sharing all my secrets, all the stuff that I've kept, my personal treasure trove of hot links and bookmarks and all that stuff, font recommendations, asset libraries, etc. Um, he's he's going to share it all. So like we said, Jack has really got a uh, interesting design style that works well. His designs are always really unique and creative. If you go to the Statomic website, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. He talks a little bit about like the the value of humor in your designs. If you've noticed any of Adam Wathen's um, and Steve Shoger's templates, by the way, they do this as well, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at yeah, their the copy. templates that they have, their, their copy is just hilarious. It's very, it's very fun. Um, and it adds a lot of value, right? So how do you how do you do this? How do you develop your own unique style so that your site doesn't necessarily look like everybody else's? Um, how do you make it so that design isn't something that you dread, but it's something that you can get excited about and really mm-hmm. um, you know look forward to? So uh, the course you can find at radicaldesigncourse.com. Uh, You'll get course access to the private Radical Design Discord server as well. So you can collaborate, share ideas, and get feedback. And the course will be regularly updated with new videos and resources. I know Jack has been working on this one for a long time, actually. I'm really excited. Long time, long time. I'm really excited about this. And I think he's definitely nailed it. So excited to check this one out. Congratulations, Jack. And uh, go buy the course. Awesome, Mike. All right. One package this week. And this package is going to allow you to ask AI questions about your code base from the command line using the package called Laragini. It's an AI chatbot with an artisan console integration for your Laravel applications that can understand your source code by indexing directories and file paths. And you can then ask questions about your code, such as describe all the model associations for the app models post model. Um, I won't go into too much detail here, but if that's something that is of interest of you, if you've thought about kind of building something, you know, funneling your application code into chat GPT or whatever else, and then being able to do this kind of stuff, here is a ready-made artisan command for you. So you can definitely check it out. We'll have links to that for you in the show notes. Awesome. On to the tutorials, shall we? So we've mm-hmm. got four different ones here. I will cover one. Well, let's go, let's go every other here. So make your app faster with PHP 8.3. Uh, if you didn't know, PHP 8.3 is the latest version of PHP. It has a lot of new features and improvements. Uh, and it's also quite a bit faster. So by upgrading to 8.3, you can achieve a lot of increase in speed. And this article will show you how uh, using 8.3 can be a game changer by speeding up your application's performance. So it walks through different direct performance enhancements where you don't necessarily have to do anything. Also indirect performance enhancements where um, it improves syntax methods and type safety. And then how you can go about making your app faster with 8.3 by using some new features to build and ship faster. Um uh, and then also caching strategies using HTTP2, optimizing your database queries, um, real-time monitoring um, with uh, application performance monitoring tools. And so really, really good stuff. Uh, you should definitely check this one out. If you're not using 8.3 or even if you are using 8.3, either way, there's some tips in here for you. Anyone that followed along with my journey of kind of redoing our test suite and, and moving it from PHP unit to to using pest and how we kind of reduced it by from six minutes down to about four minutes, just upgrading to PHP 8.3. So we were on 8.2, upgrading everything to 8.3 and throwing that, um, you know, running the test suite at it. We got it down to under four minutes. So it just, 
you know, the magic and the performance and speed improvements of, of the PHP language keep coming. Very um, cool. yeah. The next article here is one from everyone's favorite human, Paul Redmond, that takes a look at the built-in test methods in Laravel's test response class. If you read the documentation carefully, you notice that there are some useful helpers built in, and the class recently had some internal updates to the methods in the way of the Laravel 11 dumpable trait, which we spoke about last week. And so this uh, article is a good time to go through the test response class itself and revisit some of the useful helpers. Paul talks about dump and dump headers and dump session and and DD, um, all of the assertion methods like assert, session has no errors, assert created, assert JSON, and so on and so forth. Have a look through this as a starting point and then definitely go and check out the HTTP test documentation on the Laravel website. Very nice. Um, if you feel like command line is only something you have to do and not something you really enjoy doing or something that you feel like you're particularly productive in, this tutorial by Paul Redmond, five tools that will make you more productive on the command line is definitely a read that you should take the time to go through. So um, he talks about fast node manager, talks about bootstrapping to your shell, and then all the setup steps that he does to make his shell really usable and customized to him. Uh, so he has an NV, uh, MRC file. He has his uh, he talks about Z, uh, ZSHRC file. He talks about auto suggestions um, and then how to set all this stuff up, how you can use auto suggestions and then a smarter CD command. Um, I use J, uh, which is really, really handy. I think it's just, it's it's basically stands for jump, right? So I can J and then I can type in any piece of any path that I want to. And it will it will automatically populate that with, uh, where I typically go. So if I want to, for example, go to an application in my um, uh, in, on my computer that has the word Glacier in it, I type J Glacier, enter, and it will automatically navigate to, you know, Jake Bennett, sites, Glacier dot whatever, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really, really nice. He talks about Zoxide, which is a smarter CD command, um, and talks about how you can set that up, how you can train it. Uh, he talks about FZF, which is a command line fuzzy finder. Um, and what else he has here? I think one other one, FZF tab. And I think that's the last one. So there's there's a bunch of them, a uh, bunch of different tools. Rip grep is one other one that I did not actually come, uh, that I did not actually look at. Uh, but he's got how do you how you go through all of these, why they're useful, how he uses them, and how you can set them up on your machine. So um, Paul is definitely one of those guys where you watch him work. And it's you're always like trying to figure out, hey, what is that tool you just used? I don't, I don't know how, how you do that. Um, and so he's written it all up for us here. You should definitely check it out. Yeah. And the last article that we have here is five ways to be more productive with Git. So this is talking about using the command line Git, not using any kind of GUI or anything like that. He talks about the Git nah alias and aliases uh, in general. He talks favorite. about Git forget, Git uncommit, um, configuring Git commit templates, um, and using password manager for SSH keys and SSH key signing, which is something that I actually just set up recently using one password and kind of putting all of my SSH keys in there. Um, there was some discussion a little while ago around, you know, what do you do if you if you lose your SSH keys? Um, and so putting them in, in one password is a good way to, to kind of protect them because it gives you a centralized synced location to do all of that kind of stuff. So if you do happen to lose your computer or you need to, 
um, you know, reinstall. You don't have to go, oh, no, I forgot to, to copy them or yeah. back them up. So yeah. that's that's great. Um, there's the GitHub CLI tool, which is the GH tool that you can install using Homebrew on a Mac, which is very useful. Uh, I use it all the time for creating pull requests Same. and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then using a, a Git merge or a diff tool. So the, the Git diff by default is not particularly readable, but there are a few different options available to you that you can use um, to, to go through that kind of stuff. So I'll, I'll leave that up to you, dear listener, to go through Paul's article and, and and have a bit of a look about that. But there's a lot of options there to make you more productive using Git. Yeah, one of the things that's cool on this actually is, so the ones that I use the most often uh, is definitely uh, GHPR Create, right? So GHPR Create will take the current branch that you have and then offer to create a pull request uh, against master or whatever the main branch is for you. But you can also do things like GHPR checks, which will allow you to see what automated checks you have running uh, on that pull request. And you can use dash dash watch to watch those checks until they finish, which is really Mm -hmm. cool. So if you're waiting for the test to pass or whatever, uh, you can do dash dash watch and see if any of them fail so that you can get notified right away and and check what's going on there in in your uh, CI pipeline. Definitely. Very cool. Uh, that's it, everybody. That is all for episode 208. Uh, so let's wrap this one up. You can find show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 208. Rate us up in your podcast of choice. Five stars would be amazing. And of course, head us up on Twitter at Michael Drenda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. All right, folks. Until next time, we will see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.